This is episode number 137 of Patrick Jones Baseball, and in this episode we have Kevin Euclid. Kevin is a three-time All-Star, two-time World Series winner, Gold Glove winner, Hank Aaron Award winner, and he's also in the Boston Red Sox Hall of Fame. Um, had a lot of fun interviewing Kevin on this episode, and Kevin is someone who really does believe that the, the data and technology and everything is super important when it comes to hitting, but at the same time, he also believes, which I believe as well, is you know hitting is also an art, and feel is so important in hitting, and sometimes that can be lost in this information era, and he kind of gives some different examples and talks about what he used to do and, and Manny Ramirez used to do and different drills and things of that nature. And it's it's pretty pretty awesome stuff. Um, there's a couple different parts of the interview that are a little bit harder to hear uh, towards the end, but um, you can you should you should be able to still make out all of the words that are being said. I um, also wanted to remind all of you that my high school coaches course is going to be dropping next week. And this course was developed and designed specifically for um, the high school coach. And I just wanted to share with you what I've learned um, throughout the past several years of traveling around the country, um, going to different events, seminars, talking to different coaches. You know, it's it's pretty special, and it's something that I, I think is going to bring a ton of value um, to the high school coach out there. You're going to learn how to do a movement assessment on your player, what correct efficiencies how to correct those deficiencies that you do see. I'm going to go over blast motion in detail and explain what each metric means in an understandable manner. And that, that to me is so important in um, being able to understand someone. You know, there's so many words that are thrown around these days that are these huge words. You think like, wow, this person's so smart. Now, what does any of that mean? How do I apply that any of that? And so I think um, being able to break it down in a simple manner is extremely important. So that should be dropping next week. Um, if you go to my website, patrickjonesbaseball.com, and subscribe to my email list, then you'll be notified um, when it is dropped. So without further ado, here is Kevin Euclid. All right, we are now live with Kevin Euclid. Uh Kevin, thanks for coming on today. No problem. I know you're still involved in baseball right now, and I mean, what do you think so far of the playoffs in just these short couple of days that we've seen? It's always great. Playoff baseball and a little bit of football mixed in is my favorite time of year. So October is probably my favorite month. And, you know, with the playoffs, uh, it's fun. I mean, you know, I read a lot of stuff online and, you know, home runs are going to win it. And then you watch one game and home runs do win it. And then you watch another game and it's small ball and a bunch of base hits. And it's just the beauty of the game. I mean, when you watch playoff baseball, you're also seeing mistakes being made and errors and, and the human element of it, too. And for me, I still get goosebumps every time I watch the playoffs and it brings me back to some amazing memories. And, you know, I just love this time of year. It's always fun. Did you find yourself trying, like, is it natural to try and do more when you're in the playoffs and you have to tell yourself to, like, hey, just be yourself? Well, I, I've i always said this. The players that play game one through 162 in a major league season, like it's game seven of the World Series, are the ones that don't see any difference in the playoffs mm. uh, during the game. Usually it's the anxiety leading up to the game where the nerves start coming into play. But I was always an amped up guy. I love to live 
you know, for those moments. I love competing on the field. And like I said, if you take it serious from game one to 162, as it could be the last game ever playing, the playoffs are just naturally the same. It's no different. So I always found those players, you know, you, you can always bank on those players. And they might not always have the, that, you know, a series, they might be down a little bit, might be not getting as many hits, but they're going to probably give you the good at-bats that you need. Did you ever doubt yourself as a player? Oh, yes. I think we all I think we all go through that when we're over 15 or something. <laughs> and it's like, oh, my God, am I ever going to see the, you know, see a ball fall in? You're lining out a couple times, and you think it's the end of the world. So, yeah, there's a little self-doubt. And, uh, you know, that that's just baseball. It's a game of failure, and you fail so much. And then when you're in those really deep, depressing times, uh, you know, you do. You, you kind of talk to yourself like, God, you know, and you get down a little bit. But you have to pick yourself up because everyone goes through it. No one feels bad for you, especially if you're one of the better players on the field. They definitely don't feel bad for you at all. So you just got to. You just got to believe in yourself. And I think that's the hard part is when you're in a slump is usually what we see is it's self-doubt and giving too much credit to the pitcher sometimes and trying to get hits instead of trying to have good at bad, slowing it down, calming down the mind and just believing that, hey, today's the day. Today's the day we have a slump. And for a week, I'm going to start raking. I like that. You know, I think one of the things that isn't talked about a lot these days because of the mechanics being like so obsessed is the approach and, you know, knowing how to pick up different pitches. You know, were you someone who always was like, did you have a way of picking up pitches that were different? Like, how did you dictate, you know, what pitches you're going to swing at and just take us kind of through? Because I just feel like that's just a part of the game that's kind of second a trail to mechanics right now. Yeah, that's 100% correct, and it's one of my biggest battles right now is, you know, the, the whole thing that's going on right now with the technology is taking over in so many ways, and it's this isn't a knock on people that are using a lot of technology. The technology is giving great feedback. There's no denying that, but the problem is we're overusing it to try to simplify something that is super complex. Hitting is really complex, and you know, the, the hard part about hitting is doing it every single day. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, we get away from is having a great approach, having an understanding of, because the analytics can tell you percentages of what pitches are being thrown and how to give yourself the best chance to try to, I was a guy that liked to look fastball and react, but some guys like to guess. I played with Manny Ramirez, who would go up there his first at bat and take three fastballs. And you're like, Whoa, what was that? You strike out and you're like, whoa, you're Manny Ramirez, why didn't you swing? But he was looking for that breaking ball. He got that second at bat in, got that breaking ball and hammered it. And that was all because he had an approach and a plan. And key to approach and a plan is also getting off of it sometimes. You might go into a game thinking through the numbers, through the analytics, that this guy is going to throw you know, 60% fastballs. Well, on that day, maybe he's not throwing fastballs. He's throwing 45% and he's throwing more off-speed. Well, you're going to have to figure out how to go out there and compete and do all the little things you need to do in order to succeed. And that's through approach and plan. And approach and plan has to change within the game to what is dictated. So would that be like, when you say like approach and plan is it changes different, would that be, were you ever someone who the pitcher's pounding away, right? Would you skewed up closer to the plate? No, I was a guy that liked to stay in the same spot. 
I think when you start moving your feet, you start moving your eyes and the strike zone starts moving uh, in and out. I didn't like that personally. Maybe it works for other people, but that's the beauty of hitting. What works for one doesn't work for another, and you got to figure out what works best for you. I like to have – I always want to feel from the same spot in the box. So I used I stand, I used to stand on the back line. Some people used to moan and groan and say I was out of the box. I wasn't. You know, I'm trying to stand as far as back as possible until if the umpire said, hey, you need to get in the box. I'm like, you know, my foot is touching the line, which is the rule. You have to be on the line. Uh, so that was sometimes an argument. But I always wanted to see it from the same point of view because uh, I think that's very important because repetition and being able to see the pitches over and over and over, you're going to have better sense of the strike zone overall. When you were in the box, did you ever think about anything mechanical? Uh, yeah, I mean, there was definitely, you know, a lot of times just making adjustments. You know, I was a guy that thought hands. I, I got into a little adjustment because he is the anti-hands guy, but it works for Josh. And I was trying to explain to Josh is that's not my cues and that's not how I work. Your way of doing it is the way you did it. And thousands of guys do it their own way and have their own cues. So my whole thing was uh, mechanical was more, um, like I said, the practice swings were more downward. Uh, when we talked earlier, that I had more of a downward swing to make sure I wasn't dropping my back shoulder and getting into bad habits. And meaning by what happened was when I would drop my back shoulder, I'd become very rotational. And so it would be ground balls to the pull side and weak fly balls to the opposite field. I wanted to, my cue was on my back hip, staying strong on my back hip. And I always explain this to guys, it could be your butt cheek, it could be your hip, it could be whatever the, the cue that works for you. It's feeling that and staying as tall as possible until you have to go down and get the ball. You know, that is that was my cue and that was my thing. I would hit my back hip if I got jumpy to remind myself to stay back. But other than that, I mean... And a lot of it, too, was just thinking about my hands, not getting around the ball, getting my hands extended out. I wanted to keep them close to my body. So, And these were all things I learned as a progression. These things didn't happen overnight. And it wasn't. these were things that took years and years of learning and understanding my kinesiology of my body and just watching other baseball players. I think that's the biggest problem we have right now is everyone only wants to watch their own self and doesn't watch enough of other hitters and really learn what they do and try to apply it to their body and their mechanics. I think that's a really, really good point. I'm glad you brought up Josh Donaldson because I think sometimes if, you know, so many young kids are on, well, really everybody's on, on social media now. And so if they see, you know, when he was like the guy for a few years and saying like, he doesn't think about his swing or his hands, there's going to be a lot of other people thinking, okay, well maybe I don't need to either. But if Kevin Euclid is, if you're that kid who says, well, maybe I don't need to think about my hands, that's going to hurt your swing because you need to think about your hands. So it's, it is, it's so interesting. What I know you had the thing with like your top hand, how you started it like a lot higher on the back. Can you like take me through why you did that? Yeah, that's probably the number one question I always get is why did you do what you did? And a lot of the stuff that I did was watching other guys and learning and, trying to figure out how, you know, Manny was the guy that we all watched and emulated. And to be honest, I, I didn't have many hitting discussions with Manny. Manny never really talked hitting. He might've talked with David, maybe Ortiz and other people a little bit more, but you know, he never felt comfortable teaching it or talking about it. 
But all I had to do was watch Manny and see his work ethic, the way he went about it, certain drills he did. And I was like, okay, well, I can't hit like him the way he does it with his arms in the way. And I was like, well, how do I get into my like stance? And the reason I didn't, I moved my right hand is I needed rhythm. I didn't want to move my left arm and moving my left arm would get my elbow to go upward towards the sky rather than staying tucked down in and getting a good first pass. So I didn't want, I guess it's called like a chicken wing. I guess you can call it where, you know, if your arm gets elevated, it's, it's a really big around the, you know, it's around the ball type swing rather than if your arms tucked in, if you can bring your hands inside, it's like taking your elbow down to your left, I guess like pocket almost or belt line. You don't naturally do that, but the thought process of doing it. So that was my thing was, I just wanted to keep my right hand moving, but keep my left hand kind of in the same place. You describing that just makes me realize like hitting is such an art. It, it, it really, it just, it really is just, just by you describing it. Like, how would you ever, there's no way I could, I would ever even think of recommending that to a player. And I never do. <laughs> so, uh, you know, a lot of these young guys are coming at me online and saying, you know, what does he know about hitting and why would, why would anyone want to listen to him? And I laugh it off and I'm saying, listen, I don't teach my swing. I try to, if I work with a player, my goal and objective is to clean up as many holes as possible in a swing. And the problem is I don't have enough time to work with hitters. It takes a lot of time, but two, a lot of the things that are happening are we're teaching a one plane swing. I've seen more and more one plane swings than I ever have before. It's become so robotical that guys can't make the adjustments needed as they go up to certain levels. There are certain swings that will play for a long time, but the higher you go up, the ball moves more, the spin rate gets higher, the ball, you know, velos. There's a lot of different things that happen, and we're seeing it now more than ever that guys are getting abused at the top of the strike zone because they have a one plane swing. You have to have a shorter, direct swing. I always call it like taking it with your top hand and taking a hammer to it. Top swing has to be shorter. Down, you got you know, if the ball's down in the zone, you go down and get them. It's a longer swing naturally. So, you know, I like to teach multiple swings and I think that's the art of hitting. The art of hitting is knowing how to dick, you know, have different swings for different pitches and being off balance. You know, if you're only working on balance every single time, you're not going to be able to make that adjustment when you are off balance and you will be off balance as a hitter. That's a good point. How would you recommend working like for someone to work, start off balance, like start with most of their weight on their front leg or how would you do that? Well, I think it's one of those things, you know, if you do the change up drill, you know, it's a flip drill. Okay. Yeah. You throw about 10 balls normal and then you give them a change up and then you see how they do it and they, a lot of times, right, they roll over. You know, they're out in front, and they kind of roll over. And that drill is really good for them to understand is like, hey, you're off balance. And I like to talk about is, okay, so the hitter needs to say, okay, I just rolled over that ball because I was out in front. But how can I take a different swing path when I'm out in front to give myself the best chance of getting a hit, like hitting soft line, right? It's the flick. It's the, almost like you're walking through the ball swing. And we've all seen it on TV. You know, the guy gets this great pitch, and all of a sudden he's, like, out in front, and he just, like, throws his hands at the ball, but he stays through it perfectly, 
to redirect it up the middle. It's a nice soft line drive, you know, and that is a drill that I love to like watch guys do and say, Hey, listen, what did you do? What was your thought process when you did this and feed it back to me, what you need to do in order to get that result. You know, it's interesting when you say that I did a podcast with Ian Happ and he was saying something almost identical where he's just trying to flick his hands. Pretty much exactly what you just described right there. Yeah, it's a a flick, but you have to stay through it, right? So when you get younger hitters, they don't understand it. And usually they have the top hand rollover on it because they don't understand how you have to, you know, it's easier to show than it is to explain with words. But it's being out front, going to the ball, and you really have to like, throw your hands at it out in front of you and stay through it. And the path has to be where you're trying to take your hands through the ball and to the pitcher. And then just naturally you're going to, you know, finish off your swing at the end. What do you, with like all the coaches and everything online, like what would you recommend that they start working on? like with their hitters in terms of just, I know like everyone posts like the best swings of their hitters, like off of a tee, which doesn't really translate to much most of the time. But I mean, like what would you recommend that they start focusing on more? Well, there's a lot to that, right? The thing I combat and talk about online is we are trying to teach young hitters that aren't fully developed physically, mentally, how to be professional hitters. And even professional hitters, professional means minor leagues too. There is so much to be learned at a later date. My big thing is I hate seeing that a lot of kids aren't playing baseball anymore. And I truly believe that the reason kids aren't playing baseball anymore is because the focus is too much on breaking down swings and not allowing them to have fun. Mm. When we were kids, I never had a private lesson in my life. I know tons of people that never had a private lesson. I'm not saying private lessons are bad. I just think that we have to give private lessons later on down the road. And we also have to understand if we're giving these private lessons, the level of understanding of the age range. As you get older, you mature physically and mentally, and then we can apply certain things. But if we overanalyze and overdo swings at a young age, it's probably going to make kids not want to play as much as just going out and just having fun. And so I tell all the parents and all young kids, play wiffle ball. Wiffle ball is one of the greatest things out there. The ball moves. The kids go out there. They make up rules. They're engaging, and they fall in love with the game. It's a great eye-hand coordination thing. And guess what? It's not the weight of a baseball. So as many times as they're throwing and playing, they're not going to be hurting their arms like they would with playing 25 more games a year. Yeah, I think a big part of the private stuff is just the business model. I mean, for guys, would you agree with that? Well, yeah. I mean, listen, I have a really good buddy here, Anthony Siri. He's got Siri Baseball, and we talk about this all the time. And he was like, hey, man, like, parents are coming to me to think that, you know, like, you got to be careful. I'm like, listen, I'm not trying to hurt anyone's business. <laughs> and we're good buddies, and I help. I'm like, I'm not trying to hurt anyone's business. What I'm trying to do is make sure that we maintain the fun of youth baseball. It's gotten so out of control. The surgeries have gone so three hundred percent. The amount of surgeries on young kids, and the justification is, oh well, they'll throw harder if they get Tommy John. That's not always the case. No one ever talks about the kid that goes in and gets Tommy John. They hit the nerve wrong, and he can't ever pitch again and feel his fingers the same way. No one talks about those stories, right? 
And I think that's where, I think that's where we're having a hard time is like everything in life. If, if it's about making money and that is the sole reason why you're doing it, don't never be successful as like, it will never, it will never reach, you'll never reach the top potential. If you do something because you love it and it organically grows into something great, that is how you build a business. And that's how you usually find very successful businesses. And for me, I just think that a lot more people need to understand that we cannot try to shape a hitter at eight years old. We got to allow them to be young and have fun. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Going back to when you you were talking about, you know, watching Manny Ramirez hit and talking about some of the drills that he would like, what kind of drills would he do? And like, were there certain drills that you needed to do on a regular basis? Uh, yeah. So I, so I wasn't a big key guy. I like flips. And so for me personally, I was just a flip guy. And I just, so, you know, basically, you know, the cage is a rectangle, a cube rectangle. But that back, that back uh, square rectangle, my goal was no matter where the ball was flipped, I was either trying to hit that square or to the right of it and drill L screens. I was trying to hit the very top left and the right corners. Same thing with Manny. Manny was so good at just redirecting the ball, whether it be inside, outside, redirecting the ball up the middle, staying within the middle of the field. And I really, really enjoyed watching that because Manny, Manny never hit home runs really in BP. And that's the problem I'm seeing now more than ever is hitters that they're just taking home run rounds. And some of these guys are the same guys that hit 230 and hit some home runs, but they could be way better if they focuses on the little things. Manny did a drill where you throw him the baseball. He would, you know, he would just get in his stance and hit it with his right hand and stick through it. There was this three wiffle ball ring. It was a red, yellow, and blue. And somebody would you would flip the you would flip this ring and have it rotate in a circular motion where you could barely see the colors and then you call like a color, red, blue, or yellow, and you would have to like try to grab the ball. And so sometimes you have to grab it in front of you, in the middle, and sometimes as late as possible. And it was such a cool thing. And that's what Manny did. He did a lot of cool things. But looking back, his biggest thing was just staying, keeping his hands inside more rather than getting around and extended. And he would just work and work and work in that cage and do all the little things to get his uh, mechanics as perfect as possible. And, you know, and like, and like, just like everyone else, Manny had his deficiencies sometimes, too, where he wasn't getting his foot down. And he would look in the dugout, and, I, you know, and he would take a pitch and look at me, and I'd give him the head shake, like, yeah, you're on time. And the next thing, he'd be in the bullet or the field. He just made all the little adjustments. And that's the difference between what makes great hitters and average hitters. The ability to understand your body and understand your mechanics and to make in-game adjustments. And so for me, that's where this tech, if you're solely relying on technology and every single of that, you have to go down and get feedback on what you're doing wrong, you're probably not going to become the best hitter that you possibly can be. I really, really believe, I play with a lot of guys, and it was like, go down, and they're like, they're tapping on the computer to see every little movement they're doing. And they're just, I call it, you know, like everyone knows, it's paralysis through analysis. The more and more you look at it, will not necessarily, you know, you'll find something wrong every single time with your swing if you try to break it down. 
You know, you just have to learn your body, learn from your mistakes, and understand it naturally uh, through feel. And, you know, now we have so much technology that allows us to understand a little bit more, but I still believe that feel is such a big deal because in order to make those in-game adjustments, you need to understand what you did immediately. And every hitter should know what they did wrong right away when they get the first, you know, if they're, you know, if they're, you know, if a guy makes an error, whatever you're on first base or you're taking the right turn to the dugout, you should be processing and understanding that at bat and knowing what kind of swing you took and why, and why it was a, you know, a failure. So your belief technology is important, but it's just the feel and human element. Like it has to be combined with that. If it's just tech, it's not going to work. Yeah. So if you have, I mean, it's a crutch. So what happens in the games when you don't have all that information, when you don't have a force plate out there, when you don't have the hit tracks, when you, don't, you know, like, and you have all this stuff and granted major league teams are putting it in, but you know, you don't need all that stuff to be a better hitter. What you need is the understanding of yourself more than anything. You need to learn how your body moves and you need to, and, and you need to get out on the field. You need, you need to take PP and then through it, like talk to yourself and learn, like, You've got to understand your body and the technology is just giving too much of a crutch to so many hitters that they're not fully understanding themselves. And I would say this, every hitter is their best hitting coach. The hitting coach on a team is an assistant. We're in the, listen, we're in the passenger seat. We want to go along for the ride with you and we want you to have the most success possible. But the problem is this, you've got to be your best hitting coach because when you step up to the plate, you need to understand your body. You need to understand mechanics. You need to understand when you're jumpy, when you're back. If you don't, you're not going to be able to make those quick adjustments needed to be, to play at the highest levels. Kevin, you've been awesome, man. I really appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, no problem. And uh, good luck with that new gig. You got some good buddies of mine over there in Baltimore. I oh, appreciate it. Appreciate it.